Hey guys, this is your host Austin. I did just want to let you know that this episode we did have a little bit of audio trouble, so there are some parts that might sound a little bit robotic or where our mics have a slight echo to them. I hope that you'll bear with it. It is one of my favorite episodes. It's a super interesting one, so uh, please give it a listen. Let us know what you think, and as always, thanks for the support. Recording the day after election day here, so it's uh, it's interesting. And we still don't know. Yeah, we st- we probably won't know until like Friday. Honestly. Well, I heard that there was supposedly a state that was like, we're going to have our counts in a week. Yeah, because they had so many more people did mail in, so there's yeah more time apparently. I also heard that they were expecting to get a shipment of uh, special votes. What does that even mean? Means that they are special. And all for one person. Which one? I think you the know. good one. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help at all. They're both terrible. <laughs> Before we get too political and lose listeners, why don't we just uh, move on here? No, people love hearing about politics. It doesn't get anyone riled up at all. <laughs> Abortion, am I right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> If you are still listening, I don't know why. <laughs> um, what's today's episode on uh, there, Austin? Well, well, hold up now. We got some. We got some stuff to go through here. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Jeez. Jack is is trying to move past our religious energy beverage. You, you okay there, pal? What, what got a Charlie horse in my jaw. Were you really trying to pop it open with your teeth? No, I just wanted to, to see how that deep thing. throat I could do it. <laughs> this, is, this is an episode oh for the gosh. ages right here. <laughs> oh my gosh. But clearly you're talking about deep throat Dude, you from must the... Have a huge mouth. You can't fit that in your mouth? No. That's what she said. <laughs> I do have a pretty small mouth, though. <laughs> no, I cannot. We really need to set up a camera and I cannot. get some uh, extra footage. Well, uh, here the we premium go. Premium members. We are drinking Mango Matic Monster Max. We got to read the description on the back. It says, "Nitrous technology. Don't let the sleek can fool you. Monster Max is fully loaded and packs our biggest punch." Wait, wait, wait. Why would the sleek can fool me? If it's sleek, wouldn't I want it more? No, maybe it be cool? If maybe it's, sleek, it's like you think it's like it's smooth and yeah, nice it's, and it's easy. like. Or are they just saying sleek as in like slim? Sleek as in like it's like probably this, like a little because this is drink. this is the same like, like Lacroix or whatever Cro- that stuff is called. Lacroix. Lacroix. Oh, you ever had yes, that? Yes, Lacroix. It tastes like somebody poured water into Farted a drug in jug and there water? was like fruit in the same room as it's, that. It's like they got Sprite, like this much Sprite, <laughs> and then like three cups of water. Sprite minus the lime and And they like put a strawberry flavored candy in there for like 10 seconds and then took it out. (laughs) They took a handful of Jolly Ranchers, swirled it with a Get us a pop right next to your mic. Well, I gotta finish. Call us crazy, (laughs) but we supercharged our monster energy base, then injected it. That doesn't sound good. Injected it with nitrous oxide. Wait, that's not healthy. (laughs) No. (laughs) For a smooth, unique texture. Drinks have texture? Out of this world flavor and big bang buzz. 
hop on the rocket ship and enjoy the ride. (laughs) Monster Max knows no limits. Unleash the beast. Unleash the nitro beast. This is Mango-matic. Ow. (laughs) Has anything gone right yet? No. But this, this does have the profile of like a Red Bull. It does. So yeah. maybe that's what they're talking about. Sleep. It's the thin can. Ooh, I like that. It's a little too mangoey for me, but if you like mango, you'd like it. I'm just not a huge mango guy. I'm not a huge mango guy, but I really like that. It reminds me a lot of the Ultra Fiesta one. I like the Ultra Fiesta a little bit better. So I am a huge mango guy, and I'm you, a huge Monster like a Max guy. What? You don't look like a mango guy. You look just like a regular guy. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah. Okay. I did. Like, See, like, I can't say, like, uh, I'm, I, f- I feel like a mango right now. And you're like, funny, you don't look like a mango. I can't wait for the Never day mind. that you both become fathers so that your level of humor will ascend to that of mine. Oh, please. And you'll instantly you're, you're, you're almost to our get level. the dad humor. To ascend like North Korea's rockets to then quickly descend and explode in its own country, killing... Thousands of its own citizens. You mean zero on a paper? <clears throat> See, Ryan, from your from your very limited perspective right now, since you are not yet a father, <laughs> you don't understand that it is, yes, right now it might appear as a decline, but once you become a father and you have the dad humor thrust upon you, you will realize that it's actually a higher plane of humor. Mm. How would you know... If you're on a higher plane while you're on it, you have to be above it to see down. We can see you from where we stand. Well, that's what I'm saying. I can see your plane from where I now stand. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm telling you, that's a fake plane. We're in a real fighter jet above that plane. You are in Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Speaking of which... crashed, or we don't know what happened to it. We don't know what what happened to your sense of humor, Jack, is basically what I'm saying. I'm hilarious. It's gone. It's been missing for... We have nine minutes of utter garbage. Let's get let's get on with this episode, huh? <laughs> this one is this one is a little rough. <laughs> is there not any more uh, space news or well, anything Do like we want that? to do space news now? We've been doing it at the end, but we can no, do we it haven't. now. We always forget to. Okay, I, why Personally, I always okay. loved space news. Because uh, we have a legendary friend named Brad... I hope he doesn't mind that I called him out on the podcast. I think we called him out before, so... Yeah, so Brad is a legend, and he sent me some really cool space news. Um, NASA has absolutely 100% confirmed that water has been spotted on the sunlit surface of the moon. I've read that, yeah. I heard something, though. So there is 100% water on the moon now. Oh, I think I heard it from Brad. (laughs) (laughs) So that is confirmed, and if that's possible, then... Is it ice or is it water? It's water. Well, liquid? Yes, liquid water. Is it, How would that be possible on the moon? Okay, <clears throat> here's what it said. Lunar water is water that is present on the moon. Diffuse water molecules can persist at the moon's sunlit surface as discovered by NASA's SOFIA Observatory in 2020. Some water vapor is decomposed by sunlight with hydrogen quickly lost to outer space. There you go, Ryan. So it's vapor. No, it's vapor that is decomposed by sunlight. So it's it's water vapor. So when they say is... decompose, they say they saying melted. 
I don't know, decomposed. <laughs> decomposed? That's what it says. It the water vapor sense. decomposes into water, and there's hydrogen that is then released into... Could space. I drink it? Yes, that is the question. Could I drink it and live? And would it be the most refreshing oh, glass of water? It's like... Okay. It's like you need water. Like, nah, I don't. It's fine. I don't. I don't want any water. Oh, it's it's moon water. <laughs> Crack me open one of them cold moon water. Maybe next episode we'll uh, drink some moon water. Have some of that. Speaking of cracking open water, do you know Dasani now sells water in cans? What? Yeah, I saw a can of Dasani at Walmart the other day. Cans. Yep. Yep. That just do. doesn't seem right to me. But like, can you imagine like if you got a cold one like in the fridge? And crack it open. Ooh. A cold can is so mm. good. That would be nice. It would actually. be such cool, crisp water. But would it be better coming out of a cold can or a cold glass bottle? Like I'm honestly gonna go with a can. I if think. you had glass bottle water, like classic glass bottle soda, maybe if it was like uh, in a cooler, you know, like when they like pull it in the beer commercials, it's covered in like the ice and the, mm. the frost and mm-hmm, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I've never seen no Voss. Does glass? They, they used do, to. They right. don't anymore. They, they do, do plastic, plastic now. Plastic now. Huh? I've never had glass water. Okay. Well, good. here's another little paragraph on this. So it says, Sophia, which is the observation base, has detected water molecules in Clavius Crater, one of the largest craters visible from Earth, located in the Moon's southern hemisphere, which is the sunlit part. Previous observations of the moon's surface detected some form of hydrogen, but were unable to distinguish between water and its close chemical relative, hydroxyl. Data from this location reveal water in concentrations of 100 to 412 parts per million, roughly the equivalent to a 12-ounce bottle of water trapped in a cubic meter of soil spread across the lunar surface. Gosh. <laughs> so, water molecules... But yeah, they, they say that that opens the possibility of water being anywhere across the surface of the moon. Wait, so is this on the light side or the dark this side? This is on the light. light side that they've observed it. <laughs> this is on the light side, but they say that yeah, that opens up the possibility of it being anywhere on the moon. How much of the dark side have we explored? Uh, Not much like, if I... Depends if... on what you mean by explored, like with people being on the dark side? Or with or just rovers, anything. That... Oh, there's <clears throat> they've got um, an orbiting thing around the moon, so Is they're constantly the looking. Yeah, I didn't know that. so you can pull up on Google, Google Earth. You can look at the moon, and you can look at the dark side well, and things that would on be it. Called Google Moon. Then. Yeah, one of our <gasps> one of our most recent space news was I don't know if it was the most recent, but space news fairly recent space news Newses? was that China space found Newsies. Newsies. China found that substance on the moon that was some like I don't remember what kind of substance it was like a I rem- glass it was like a type substance or, or slime or goo. something kind of like a gelatinous type thing. I think they well, called that it is China. Can we trust them? I don't know. I don't know. What would they be trying to pull? Coronavirus. Oh! Maybe that's where coronavirus came they from. They bottled it's a it up. Virus. Brought it back. Coronavirus. You guys heard that song? No. That's funny. Yeah, okay, it, never mind. Is it by Tom McDonald? I don't remember who it's by. Is it a rapper? It, yeah. It's probably Tom McDonald then. I don't know. But probably. I don't You. Yeah, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway. That's neat. Yeah, so that's space news. Um, do we want to do an encounter this episode, or oh, do we no. want to move straight into? Mo- I don't think we have time. Okay, it's gonna take a while. I think. 
Okay. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Maybe we'll do an account at the end if, if we have time. How's that? Yeah, we'll see where we're at on time. But we are moving into the disappearance of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 or MH370. Which... I remember when this happened. I remember hearing about it in school. Yep. And it was... Wait, it was... <clears throat> it was somewhat around like uh, 9-11, wasn't it? No, it was this was 2014. What? Yeah. Whoa. What? I don't remember. Because I was already married. That doesn't make sense in my huh. time scale. I was on my mission at this time, so I don't remember hearing anything about it. Anyway, if you don't know the story, a quick... Recap is that a flight uh, going from Malaysia, uh, it was flight number 370, obviously, uh, was headed to Beijing, China, which is, I think it was like like a 14-hour flight or something like that. I want to say it was... I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a layover flight. somewhere. I want to say it was a 5-7-hour to seven hour flight. And the pl- this specific plane had flown that route... Tons of oh, times. Oh, yeah, it like, did it, like, weekly or something yeah. like that. Uh, they said that with the flight hours and the amount of time that it had flown, that they estimated it had flown this route, this exact plane had flown this route, like, 350 times or something. Hmm. So it, it knew that, like, the plane, it wasn't that difficult of a route. Yeah. And the pilots themselves, they say, had flown this route as well. So fairly well-known route, commonly flown. Okay, so as they're flying, they fly over the South China Sea. And oh, let's see, there's 10 crew members aboard and 227 passengers. Um, they're flying, they have to go over the South China Sea, and soon they go over what's Vietnam's airspace. Hmm. And so what they have to do is they sign off, um, I don't know what it's called. Air traffic control. Yeah, they sign off air traffic control from Malaysia. And then once they cross an airspace, they sign in. It's called a handoff is what it's called. They hand off to them. So then they'll check in and say, this is Malaysia Flight 370. So is there an overlap in that? that... No, there's not. They, they are on a frequency with one. Then they turn off that radio. And I guess they move it over to that other yep. frequency. I guess there could be. But in this case, there was not. So there there is not. It is protocol for... That to drop for how that sounds like a stupid protocol, like just in the sense of just normal delivery, like FedEx or UPS, you track going from one to another, and both sides know that there was the transition. So, what I'm saying is to me, it makes sense that they would have both lines open at the same time. So that both sides so hear that Vietnam took over. Exactly. Well, see, I, I don't know the details of all of that, but I do know there is a drop. It's typically less than a minute to a couple of minutes it's like, before. It's like 45 seconds. Yeah, and so did country Vietnam get up. them? Oh, we're, get, we're getting there. Oh, so, okay. so this drop, them dropping out of communication for... A minute to three minutes would is normal. That's like that's not an, that's not alarming, and they they say even if it would have dropped out for more time than that, it's not terribly alarming, unless they can never get contact with them again. 
So they hand they do the handoff and they say there's like a special saying you say it's like Malaysian three seventy handoff something something good night yep. something like that they say something I have it written down somewhere I'll find it eventually but they say that and everything sounds perfectly normal the air traffic control at um, Malaysian flights say everything sounded normal everything was great everything worked perfectly they did the handoff one minute and thirty seconds later. After that, it disappears from radar. Minute and 30 seconds. One minute and 30 seconds later, <clears throat> the plane is no longer on radar. Um, and this is confirmed by three different places, like Vietnam's radar, Malaysian's radar, and I can't remember what the third one was, but there was another one that had a radar, and it just I think it was maybe like a military base. Um, so how radars work in... Okay, I guess, let me just go through the whole thing. It disappears, and it's never heard from again. That's pretty much the entire story. So, so going along with that, sorry, I'm going to interrupt for just a second. So, the first thing that happens is minute and 30 after it drops off of Malaysian air traffic control, the trans, uh, the they lose communication with air traffic control. Then after that, two minutes later, the transponder, which is what communicates the location data of the plane, then goes out. After that, one Wait. minute. <clears throat> okay, so keep going, and then we'll go through the time thing again. After that, there is a system called ACARS, which is, i got to remember what the acronym means. It's uh, Aircraft Communications Addressing and Reporting System. Yep, so well, then that. that goes offline a minute after the transponder goes offline. So, there's so there is a succession of individual things going off? Correct. So there's three systems that go off within about two to three minutes of each other. Okay, but what... You're missing parts here. Oh, sorry. There's This is this is way deeper than just, like, things go offline kind of thing. There are two transponders on this uh, Boeing plane. It's a <clears> Boeing <throat> plane. There are two transponders that is, are in now, charge of radar. Now, um, this, is, this is a question for a friend of mine. What is it that a transponder does? Uh, I'm, I'm explaining it, it right now. <laughs> it it base it talks to the radar. Okay. It basically, if that's on, radar can find them. If it's off, it can't very easily. Well, that doesn't sound like a good radar. Location, I thought that a radar location reporting. Okay. So, <clears throat> so when you say that they that they went off of radar and disappeared from radar, the, this is what you're talking their about. Their transponders went offline. Yes. So. But is there still, though, a radar that can pick them up that's like... We'll get to that. Oh, okay. So there are two transponders for the sole purpose of if one malfunctions, the other can still report. They both went off at the same time, meaning one of two things. Some, like, either both malfunction at the same time, which could happen in, like, say, a crash, a high-impact crash, or maybe an electrical fire... <clears throat> but more likely is that they were manually turned off. So, hmm. they both go off at the same time. Is that something that can be done, then manually if turned off? If you have yes. the knowledge, yes. yes. But seriously, like you have to have good knowledge of this plane, which I'd say the captain, maybe the co-pilot, maybe so the, a... The... What are they called? The sky maids, what are they called? The flight attendants. Flight attendants. Sky so maids. The, the, transpon- 
this, I, I say we should call them, we should petition for that to be the new name. But <coughs> So these transponders are located in the cockpit directly above the pilot's head. So he has the ability to turn them off. And, both of them? Yes. So they're both located in the cockpit with the pilot. The only reason that they would ever turn off is pilots are trained to turn them off if there are either like a dire emergency, like, you know, if they're forced to by a terrorist or something to that effect. But why? That doesn't make sense. Why would they? It seems like even in a terrorist situation that they would always want everyone to know their location. So that doesn't make sense to me why there would be an emergency to turn them off. All, all I know is that in a <clears throat> dire emergency that they can turn them off if they need to. And pilots are trained. Weird. I don't know the details of that. So uh, Who knows why. It is an option. Yeah, hmm. it is an option. Or they are also uh, told that if it fails two or more times and they can they can either like submit a fail report themselves saying, hey, this is failing, and it's failed twice, then they'll tell them to turn it off at that point. I don't know why that is either. but um, So there's really two situations where they would manually turn them off in like a legitimate situation okay uh sorry you're waiting on me okay so soon after um what was kind of interesting is that like they try contacting and say hey 370 are you there nothing 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 after a few hours i want to say like too long the military finally gets involved. I actually, I think it was actually maybe a few days. But then the military gets involved and says, hey, we actually have... So, like, they started a, a search in the South China Sea mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's where they were <clears> flying <throat> over. But then the military comes in later, like a few days later, and says, we actually have more record of them than you guys do because they had a you know better radar system and uh-huh. um, what is called SATCOM, satellite communication. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, and so I actually drew a little map. You guys can't see it, but uh, so oh, that's cute. So this dotted line here, that's what they were supposed to do, and as you can see here, right the the right after, like seriously, this is minutes. After it went offline, it veered right and started going right and then took a sharp 180 and started going back to where they came from. Mm. And then after (coughs) heading back a little while from where they came from, it took a hard right. And it was just straight straight that way. So Going in a northwest direction. North-northwest, yeah. Not quite northwest, but... So... On that little map is up north? Up is north, yes. Okay. Well, while that's while Jack's pulling that up, so another important thing to note is going along with why they may have turned back. So like he said, this is immediately after they lose radio traffic or air traffic control communication. So they turn around and people theorize that they might have turned around because if there was an electrical fire then they would want to go back to the nearest landmass, which at that time Malaysia was still the nearest landmass. So they're either going back and attempting to land the plane, or they are going back for some other unknown reason. So this map that we're looking at, Mm -hmm. they cross over the 
um, island mass, like the longest or the widest part of Malaysia into right. South China Sea, at which point they, how far, do you know about how far away they are from um, the next spot of land? So they're about halfway. Almost halfway. Halfway from Malaysia to Whatever the um, Vietnam Peninsula. Yeah. And so they're halfway into the China Sea, turn around, and cross over Malaysia so again. So what's interesting is they don't just turn around. <clears throat> you see this here? They veer right and start going this way. And then they do a full 180 here and cross over land. So people are thinking, yeah, there was an electrical fire. It was an emergency landing. They thought that would be the closest area. But then they kept going. And what is interesting is where they take the right turn. This little island right here. I can't see your cursor. <laughs> that island. Right, okay. Right next to where the tiny little island that it turned right next to. Tiny island off the west coast of Malaysia. Yes. It is called... Uh, we skip forward quite a bit in my, my notes, so i got to scroll quite a bit. <clears throat> Where is it? I don't know what the name of the island is. But... Yeah, no, I got no idea what it is. Anyway, I get it. But um, that island is the captain's hometown. The captain of the, of the his of name the is sorry, we skipped that part. Zahari Shah. His co-pilot was Farik Abdul Hamid. I probably Penang Island. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, that's where he grew up. Not necessarily grew up, but he was born there, and I think he lived there until he was like five or six or something like that. Some theories are is that was like his last goodbye to his hometown. So like, how how big is that though? Because if it's a large city, then no, the odds of that no, it's not. It's hmm. not big at all. Okay. Um. Anyway, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, right? Um. But um. Gotta find my. Notes again. So you were saying that <clears throat> that the army gets involved and tell, gives them more information of what what they've uh, what they picked up on the flight. Right. So everyone lost communication right here, mid right, midway right. in the South China Sea. Right. But the military had it until that yellow dot over. What, what an ocean is that? That's the in, uh, Indian Ocean or yeah, the... That's the Indian Ocean. The Northeast Indian Ocean. Right over, like right above the north, most northern point of Indonesia. It's right where it meets up. There's like the Amarden Ocean or something. If you scroll up a little bit, it's on that map, I think. Um, right where the Malacca Strait meets the... Uh, Andamna yeah. Sea? Yeah. Andaman. A dam and sea. So, from everything that I've read and researched into this, them choosing to fly over the Indian Ocean without air traffic control contact, like without the pilots having contact with anybody, was kind of like a death wish. Like, they would have had a very hard time 
coming out of that without the help of air traffic control. And yeah, no, they aren't talking to anyone. But there is one chip computer item on board, their SATCOM. It's like, an, it's like a satellite phone, basically, that will contact a, a SATCOM station and kind of give it like, say, hey, this is where I am, like every 30 minutes or so. And that actually started communicating with the Australian ground station in Perth, I believe is what it's called. Mm. Um, and it was working until just about when the, the military lost it. They lost it at the same time. What I find interesting about this path that you're showing is that they are specifically staying on the south uh, the south end of Thailand as if because you would think with this path that they're taking why not just go straight west so, and you'd be flying over Thailand but then are they trying to avoid going over Thailand you're actually getting into one of the theories uh-huh. okay um, I, should I wait for the theory well just keep, keep going along I mean, the timeline one of, one of the things that's important to note is that where they were going was a heavily traveled flight path. And so the reason that that nobody had coverage, like radar coverage of this area except the military, was because it wasn't heavily traveled. So on so, the east side of so, Thailand and Malaysia, heavily traveled, west side, there's nothing. So that specific area where the military lost them, where the military had the coverage and then lost it, is an area where airlines didn't have their like radar capabilities concentrated. And so that's... It's why the military used. picked them up because the military they, they has more advanced radar yeah, systems have them covered everywhere. Looking um, over at the coast of everywhere. The airline's not going to be looking somewhere they don't have flights planned. For. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, you know, getting ahead of ourselves ties into one of the theories. So, And another thing, you, you are right, and I'm going to touch on that just a little bit. Uh-huh, if uh-huh. you look where... We're going to have to post a lot of pictures, or you're just going to have to look this up, because I didn't realize how visual this is going to be. Um, so well, I, I think we're doing okay with um, dis- any, hope- anyone that looks at a map of Malaysia so far would be able to follow exactly what we're saying with you how can, we've been you can, describing You can it. Google um, Malaysia Flight 370 Flight Path, and you'll, you'll find it. Um, but if you look right where it passes over Malaysia and Thailand... Where it's coming, where it has gone out into the South China Sea and then turned around and is coming, is crossing back over Malaysia. If you notice, it goes through Malaysia, then it crosses over into, what's this one? Thailand. Thailand, then back into Malaysia, then back into Thailand, then back into Malaysia. Okay. So that's important because... You know which country in you're in. That's whose airspace it is. That's uh-huh. where jurisdiction lies. Uh-huh. So if I fly over just a tiny mm. bit of Malaysia, if Malaysia's going to go. Oh, there's a plane in my airspace. And then after a few minutes, it crosses over into Thailand. I'm going to. Oh, never mind. It's not my problem. It's theirs. It's in their airspace. So we don't got to worry about it. And then they're going to go. Oh, there's a plane in our airspace. And then it crosses back over there. Oh, never mind. We don't have to guide them because it's not in our airspace anymore i think if those military people are if that's what they're thinking they should be fired because <laughs> i at least if i'm in the military i'd be thinking like the moment that it is getting close to our airspace it's 
I'm I'm watching it. Completely. Well, I don't think the military is looking at it at this time. I think this is for the purpose of communicating with air traffic this control. Is air traffic because whenever control. you're crossing into a military. new country, it's protocol for you to switch to that channel. Right. So they're uh, waiting for the hand the handoff. They're waiting for them to say this is Malaysian Flight 370 checking in, but it never comes. And then by the time they're like, well, maybe we should check in with them, it's crossed back over. Gotcha. So the two. Uh, flight towers we'll say on both either malaysia side or thailand side are kind of waiting on the other side to pick up the flight right well i I don't think it would be uncommon for them to see a flight that is going in the direction of thailand and say okay i'm not even going to like communicate with it it's going to thailand they'll pick it up you know right and then going back on what was said i mean my comment was kind of dumb thinking that it was military looking at someone crossing over the borders because, like you said, the military has been watching this the whole time. And I don't they think came... they're watching it live. I don't though. think they. I think they go either. like the next day and they go, "What the heck was this that happened last night?" Right. Well, it just seems interesting that they would come to them and say, "This is the information that we have." It seems like I feel like if you're in the military, you should always be watching. Maybe, but no. Note that they didn't. The military didn't give them uh, the public this information uh-huh. for a few days. And another thing to note too is, I mean, at this time, because this was so like early to midway through the flight, mm-hmm. the airlines didn't know where the plane was at, so they're not they're not notified yet that it's way over here. So they're not looking for it over there. They don't know that it's over there, and so airlines they think it's up here. Yeah, airlines right. or over here. They think that it's gone. That they've into, still I think, gone Cam- to Vietnamese or Cambodian airspace China. by now. Right. They're kind of tracking the timeline of the flight, saying, "Hey, Vietnam, have you picked this up?" Oh no, we didn't pick it up, but it should be in Cambodia by now. So mm. let's check with Cambodian air traffic control. And as you can see, it's really early in the morning too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so my guess would be that. The personnel working yeah, in the morning. If takeoff was about twelve forty a.m. Yeah, I, I would assume I it was. Oh yeah, twelve forty one a.m. Wow, it was one minute off. Nice. It, it probably wasn't that robust of a crew working at twelve forty one in the morning <laughs> to really put that much manpower and effort into looking into this. So they're just and all again. This is a very routine flight, so right. they're probably not thinking like anything out of the ordinary is going to happen. There's like, oh, it's another day at the the old office cubicle. Exactly. Sure, and with it being late at night, everyone's sleeping and or sleepy. So anyway, um, back to the satcom. Okay. There is a phone on the. There plane. is a satellite phone on part of the satcom system. So when Australia, there and this satcom is always on. Is always. that what, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't even think there's a way to turn it off unless it malfunctions. Okay. So. Uh, it tries to, they try to call it twice and during a six hour window, which is between here and here somewhere. Okay. So somewhere between one thirty AM and, uh, okay. That's one hour window, but I don't know. So the, the, and the sat phone antenna was reporting data for six hours, six to seven hours after they lost communication with the plane. So, for six hours after 1.30 a.m., they're trying to contact the plane. Yep. Which, looking at the flight path, if that was only an hour crossing over Malaysia and bordering the Indian Ocean, then six hours could put them easily 
Into India, I would think. Okay, so, sorry, I kind of got confused on myself on what I wrote down. So, it lost SATCOM at the same time the military did, at that 222 over the Andaman Sea. Okay, bordering the Indian but Ocean, okay. for the next six hours after that, it was attempting to connect with Australia. It was still sending signals. So, Australia's getting... More or less pings. Right. Kind of like a request to connect or right. something similar. Request to connect via Bluetooth? <laughs> yep, for that's, six hours. That's a good Bluetooth system. Okay, and during the six hours, Australia t- tried twice to call the sat phone, but it, no answer. But mm. sat phones have communication, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it communicated that it was received and that the phone rings. What? So... Like if it was not on, it wouldn't. You wouldn't even be able to connect to the sat phone to make a call. Uh-huh. But it connects, it rings, but no answer. But it connects and rings, meaning it was connected to the plane and was receiving a signal. Right. This was after. This was about six hours after takeoff. Interesting. And th- and this is with Australia. That they're yes, getting this, this is, information. This is the Australian SATCOM station in Perth. So it's satellite, so it doesn't matter who's whose it is. It's just connected to that one apparently to Australia's satellite. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So it actually, sat, uh, Australia gets jurisdiction over the search because of this. Hmm. So every like almost all the search efforts afterwards are. Because Australia has the last. I guess thing. I don't know. I don't know what jurisdiction protocol is, but I would think it's just whoever's. Cl- I would think Malaysia would take over, but since they're original, right? Or maybe whoever is closest to, like Thailand or whatever that one is beneath it. I yeah, don't know what country that is, but ow, mother. Um. Huh. So, uh, with those pings that the satcom was sending, they're able to tell how far. It was from the satellite. Nice. Because you can do a, you know, it... Triangulates it, it. It sends the ping to the thing, and then it replies back. And, you know, it, from plane to space, it's a decent distance. It's not instant. It's not really... It takes only a couple seconds, but uh-huh. they're able to time that uh-huh. and tell how far away it is, and also then they're able to tell what the altitude is, roughly, of the plane. And giving a radius of where it would be... Based on that information. Yeah. And um, based on that information, I'm, I'm really not going to be able to explain how this is going to sound weird. <laughs> but because of how, like, the Earth is curved. Uh-huh. So, like, you know, if, let's say, the satellite's at the North Pole and it pings down and it can tell it's at, from this distance, it can tell it's at the North Pole. Because that's the only distance available. Well, that makes sense because it's all on angles and right. such. But if it's like double the distance of the North Pole, well, you know it's not the North Pole because that would be underground. Yep. And yep. it's not like within so far of the North Pole because that would also be underground. So it's within this circle. Right. That distance. On from, that line. Right. It's going to be a circle on the Earth. Mm-hmm. But do, with all that information and the pings, after that last ping or whatever from the military... Bordering it on takes the Indian Ocean. Turn, according to this information, hey. straight south. What? Let me see if I can find another picture. 
Let's see what we got here. There we go. So this one's a bit more difficult to uh, to read. So oh my gosh, what is this? I don't care. Picture, 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 picture. There it is. <laughs> okay, this is that line I'm telling you yeah. about. That yeah, yeah. circle that they're telling you about. And based on the time it takes, they can tell it's within uh -huh. here to here. So meaning it's somewhere in this triangle, which means either it cracked right there or what is more likely and taken in what people think happened is it takes a straight turn down south. Going completely into the middle of the Indian Ocean. Oh, yeah. Um, and the final communication was made on this black line, so it did apparently make it somewhere on this circle, if you make a perfect circle with that. Okay, so on that line that you're talking about, that is how many miles would you say off the west coast of Australia? Um, no idea. Looks like it is a thousand miles, probably like fifteen hundred. Okay, it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Right. Any islands in that path? Don't think so. I think Madagascar is the next closest thing besides Australia. And then obviously Malaysia and Good. Thailand north. Is that Indonesia right under? Right under what? Right under Malaysia and Thailand? What country is that? I don't know, man. I wish I did. But this, they say that this arc that it landed on would have lined up perfectly with how much fuel they had in the plane. So they had roughly... 25% more fuel than they needed to get to Beijing. And so the time that it would have taken them to take this flight path and go down there would have roughly coincided with about the time that they would have ran out so of fuel. So to go and search this area, it, you asked how far it is. Uh -huh. I don't know distance, but it took them six days just to get there to start searching that area. on In a ship? Probably. Because obviously not flying. Yeah, I, I'm guessing, yeah. Uh, they searched a 4.5 square kilometers, 4.5 million square kilometers. N needless to say, they didn't find anything. This was a multinational search, right? So it was Malaysia. Oh yeah, Malaysia's involved. I think maybe the US. That's why Australia was involved. They got close. US was involved too, right? Uh, that's uh, that's a that's the theory that, time. Getting into theories. That's okay. theory time. Ooh. Okay, so the theory is that. Someone was, they had some information on Hillary Clinton, and <laughs> so, she made a whole flight disappear. Um, so there's things called hydrophones underwater. Do you guys know what a hydrophone is? No. It's a... Is it the same one that you could buy back in the 90s, and you could talk to your friends while taking a shower? It's a, it's a microphone that is measures sensitivity in the water. Huh. Its main purpose is, um, I think, earthquakes ah, okay. and plane crashes. So if a plane crashes into the first surface of the water, the hydrophone will pick up that vibration. Mm -hmm. And you'll be able to tell like the closest hydrophone to it that picked it up. And perhaps if you have three hydrophones to pick it up, then triangulate the position right. of it. Right, yeah. 
based on how strong each one was. Kind yeah. Of so, and people, and they said if it crashed in that area, a hydrophone would have picked it up. They listened to the hydrophones and there was something, but it on they said it honestly just kind of sounded like a boat driving by kind of thing. Like it wasn't enough to be a plane crash. It was more of like a low rumble as compared to a bang. Hmm. They didn't think it was a plane crash. But, I mean, there was something, is what we're saying. There's no way to tell what it was. Um, okay, moving on. Yes. This plane has two... It's a Boeing something. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's a good plane. It's got two underwater locators. Basically, GPS units that can survive underwater for this exact purpose. Um, and they have 40 days of battery life in them. So, we could just look at those, right? Uh, nope. No signals were found. So they, one of the reasons I heard that might be the case is that apparently the batteries were expired or were in need of upgrade by this time, and so... How old is the plane? Do we know that? It, I know that at the time it was the biggest commercial aircraft available, but I don't know how new it was. I know it had... Somewhere within the vicinity of like ten thousand flight hours on it, but that could be used that up means. real quick. I don't know if you're yeah. flying all the time. So they found they did get a signal from something. They weren't able to tell what it was, but it did give off a signal. They sent a submarine to it. There was nothing there. Hmm. So they weren't. They don't know if it was Atlantis. Maybe, but they weren't able to find anything. Uh, they had to call off the search because. Nothing comes of it. And how long was the search? How many? How long did they spend searching? Month. Yeah. Okay. It was the biggest and most expensive like search. It still is to this day. Yeah, I think in aviation history. Okay. Uh, Sixteen months later is our next uh, thing, and that is in Reunion, France, which is somehow right next to Madagascar. An it's island. Like a French off of island. Yeah. Right. Uh, some people found a metal plate looking thing on the shore. This is a year and four months later. Okay. Long time. Metal plate shows up and they're like, kind of looks like a plane part. We should probably contact the government kind of thing. They get involved and officials say this is a part of that plane. Had the same serial number. Yeah, it had like the same serial number on it or Wait something. Wait a second. They get a plate... Like a specific plate that then has the serial number of the plane on there. Yep. That seems quite so, suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, all in all, this keeps happening. They find 31 pieces. 31 different pieces. Each one having the serial number on it. Um, and so what, this is what we got. Three pieces were confirmed pieces of that plane. Seven were classified as almost certain Eight were classified as highly likely, and three were likely. And then uh, 11 of them were uh, un- un- what it? unidentifiable, is what I wrote down. How many unidentifiable? 11. Of how many total? 31. Okay. I like their naming scheme. It goes confirmed, almost certain, highly likely, and likely. Like, those are all likely <laughs> so, but the three that they found were 
all pretty much confirmed to be from the right wing, if I'm understanding. Yeah, they were from one of the wings, right? I remember that. I, the right wing specifically, from what I've uh, they, read and looked into. Yes. They analyzed the pieces, had professionals, all that stuff. No burn marks. So they were, they were like, there's no explosion. Um, now, would there be burn marks if they crash into the ocean? Well, I mean, there were still... Been, uh, well, okay, sorry. There was no... I don't know how they do it. There wasn't an... Ex- they said there was no explosion evidence, but there were what they would classify as, quote, burn marks. So, but they were like, it's not an explosion, but there was some something there that could be classified as burn. Okay, okay. So, no explosion, but maybe a fire. Maybe. Um, this is in 2015. They have to suspend it again until 2017. Uh, suspended again. So, a year and a half later, after the flight completely disappears and they do the search, then the debris washes up on the shore of the island. Mm -hmm. So, then they start searching again at that point when they found debris? I think so, yeah. So, from what I understand, the Madagascar or whatever government you know, was in charge. From my understanding, it was they took it to Madagascar. Or was it not France? Because government it was not on a France island. France I, island. I could be wrong on that, but whatever I government am. body they took it to, Malaysia found out about this and was kind of like, "Hey, you need to stop until we come and identify these things. Like, you need to put this on hold and don't do any more looking into this. We need to come like see what you're talking about." They're telling France that. Yeah, they're telling whoever is coming out publicly and say, "Hey, we found this debris." Like, hey, put this on the back burner. Like, hold off. We need to come check this out before you go any further into, like, reporting this. Okay. So a little fishy there. Um, yeah. And uh, in 2017, I think, 2018, I don't remember when, a, a company, like a new startup called Ocean Infinity took over. Like, is this an American company that, like, I think their sole purpose was to find this thing. And they searched for a year and found literally nothing. Not a single thing. And they searched with a contract with the Malaysian government saying, no find, no fee. So if they don't find anything, they don't get paid. So mm. they go into this fully expecting to find something. Right. And they find nothing. And they never get paid. Not a single thing. So here's something interesting I'm seeing is that the ocean currents of... The Indian Ocean. With the path that the flight came down going south from Malaysia, the current would go in a counterclockwise motion, being where the very last area on the south side of the Indian Ocean to the west of Australia, if that is where they crashed... Mm -hmm. Then, if the current carried debris, it would go counterclockwise from there, going around the west coast of Australia, off the coast of Malaysia, off the coast of India, curving back down the west side, close to Madagascar, hitting the island there. So that's a long way to travel, going through, going next to a lot of the countries and land masses that are currently searching for that uh, flight. It was a year and four months later that they did end up showing up. But yes, 
It is weird. I agree with you. Um, I wrote down their altitude. I'm trying to remember how they found the altitude out. What, maybe it was because of the SATCOM? I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, I think it was with the radar or something. Because on the way back, the first turn back from the South China Sea over mm-hmm. um, Malaysia and Thailand, that over that, they say that... Normal flight height is uh, 43,000 feet. And they were cleared to fly at that height, too. That was their last cleared altitude to fly at. And they were all over the place. It once reported at being at 4,800 feet, which is... uh, Pretty darn low. Really low compared to 43,000 was the standard, apparently. And it reported as being as high as 58,000 feet. Okay. Like, and they, professionals said that's not even possible. So it's possible that was just malfunctioning equipment, just giving off weird information. But if it isn't, this thing was going up and down like a freaking roller coaster. Hmm. Like straight up and straight down. Okay. Do you know uh, the over what period of time that record is being taken of them going up and down? Uh, is that just over the hour? It's yeah it's when like they that. sign off and right. yeah. So during that time that they are crossing over the Malaysia landmass and going uh, up into the Bay of Bengal, close to it. They're going up and down. Yeah. Uh, also, I also don't know how they figured this one out, but I wrote it down. They knew that the the plane was taking manual turns, meaning they knew the autopilot was off. So, like, these turns that you see were done by a person, not mm-hmm. by a computer system. Um, so, now we're getting into theories here. Okay. Something weird is that the captain had a flight simulator in his home, which is not uncommon by any means at all. He's very, he's like a decorated, not decorated, but veteran. He was like 55 and had tons of flight hours. Oh, he was like, he was like, and he had never had any problems ever. And he was training the newest pilot. So the other, his his co-pilot was was on his real flight. Yeah, I think it was either his last training flight or... His first flight after being fully vetted as, like, a real pilot. So he was new. He was a newbie. Um, On his flight simulator, they found a suspicious recent flight path that ended right up near the Bay of Bengal. A previous flight? Previous to Malaysia 370? Well, yeah, because how else would he have done it? Because he's dead now. Uh, okay, I'm, so I don't know if I followed in, exactly what you said then so before. He, so he's, he's got a flight simulator, and every right. flight it does logs itself. So, like, if I do a flight, it records it and puts it into the, his computer. Uh-huh. And then you can go look at it later and watch, look at the path you took in hmm. the flight simulator. And there was a weird-looking one that was kind of similar that ended in the Bay of Bengal. So, like... What's up with that? Well, and and he deleted it too. They had yeah, to go in. And it was recover like re- that. it was restored. They had to go in and recover that data. The FBI actually was investigating that. And the FBI was the ones who recovered the data, 
and saw that it was similar to the flight path. Or maybe, no, it didn't end in the Bay of Miguel. It ended in the Indian Ocean, sorry. Okay. So, kind of where this one ended. It's kind of weird. Um, it, so, they say it looks incredibly similar to the potential path that we have mapped here. We obviously don't know if this is 100% accurate. Sure. But it looked incredibly, quote, incredibly similar, but not enough to be sure. Okay. Um, I, I think it's also important to note that at this time... The pilot had been, so he was always known as, this is uh, Zahari, is that his name? Captain Zahari? Yeah, yeah. So he's the main pilot. He had always been known as being like a very friendly, lovable guy. He would always come back and talk with the passengers because yeah. he loved like just conversing with everybody and being a cool dude. Do you know like, who was everybody. also a very charismatic guy? Bill Clinton? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so they... All of his co-workers and things said that he treated everyone like his family. And in the weeks and days leading up to this flight, his demeanor had completely changed and he'd gone very cold. Okay. And at this time, he was going through a separation with his wife and he had an established family. He had kids. And so he had been separated from his wife and kids or was in the process of being separated from them. And so Uh at this time... Wait, he's... Really? Yeah. He was getting separated from his wife? Yep. That's pretty big. I didn't. So I didn't write that down. I wrote uh-huh. down no good motive. He had three kids, wife, great with money, and no unusual spending beforehand. Yep. So the from all the reports that I've heard is that his behavior completely changed in the week or two leading up to the flight. He went very cold with people, and he was in this separation with his wife and kids. So maybe that coldness was was due to emotional distress, you know, from his separation. Or, as other people theorize, that he was getting ready to, you know, take his flight off course and right. do something bad. So. But there are so many more theories. Right. Okay. Um, also... So theory number one is he commits suicide, takes everyone with him. Right. And had practiced this on a simulator. That's that's one of the theories, yes. Okay. Very... Sorry. Roughly. I, uh, well, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say current, like, ex, like current thing that's been released as official right now is that the plane crashed and they haven't recovered it. Okay. So it's that just, is, that just is the current like nothing explanation. Like, plane crash, no survivors. Not mm-hmm. like terrorists and not like a, a suicide by pilot. Is that what, there's like a term for that. I can't remember yeah, what it's called. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. Anyway. Murder? But it is interesting <laughs> that you say terrorist. Um, yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have said that just yet. Give sorry. me a second. Um, uh, uh, something I forgot to mention was that there was a controlled glide. Is, and what that means is um, once the fuel runs out, you it's got wings, you're up in the air already, you can just glide for as long as you have, you're in the air. Uh-huh. And that, I don't know how they knew that, but it did that. They knew it did that. It didn't nosedive into the water kind of thing based on like um this like the pings and like the speed of it and Uh um the height like how fast it was dropping in altitude and that kind of stuff they knew it was a controlled glide so so from what i understand after 9-11 these kinds of things were built into the tracking systems of not only like the satcom everything like that but the engines themselves were made by rolls royce and so there were two Rolls-Royce engines on either side. Mm-hmm. And the Rolls-Royce themselves 
apart from Boeing and apart from all the satellite systems, have their own tracking systems on the engines. And so I'm sure that there's something that they Maybe. can tell of like yeah. when the fuel runs out, the engines go into this mode or like the, the wings do this special thing to right. glide. But yeah, so that seems interesting. I don't know if it was like a, if it was suicide, why wouldn't you just get it over with and go, you know, and death on impact kind of thing. If you just, if you land like, you know, control glide and then yeah, it seems like he's almost water. toying with people like in a similar way, Ted Bundy. It's not Ted Bundy. I'm just well. Hey, if he's killing people, like I, I I look at this. I don't believe it was him. I'm going to say that right now. I don't believe it was him. I don't either. Okay, okay, and I'm I'm fine with there being something that's more likely. I'm just saying that if if it is possible that he killed everyone on there, then um, what kind of psychotic person? And they would be psychotic, like Ted Bundy was. That he that. Maybe he gets off on hearing people screaming, and so he's doing these ups and downs with the plane because he likes to hear people scream. In my mind, if it was control glide, that's either more of a try to keep people safe or maybe remorse. Mm. Or, like, changing your mind. Like, oh, crap, like, I don't want to do this. I need to take this down gently, and hopefully someone finds us kind of thing. The altitude change Mm. does... Although they they say that's most likely... uh, Malfunction, that altitude change I was telling you about. Right. Well, I mean, you could think that if there really was a fire on the plane and they're freaking out, you know, maybe at that point they lose control of the plane or something. But the other theory is if they're clocked at 58,000 feet, that's above cruising altitude, and that is to the point where cabins need to be pressurized. Yeah, like that's. So, oh, right. I didn't even think about that. Sorry, keep going. Well, so at that point. Hypoxia is the lack of oxygen, mm-hmm. and so it's very possible that at that altitude, if the cabins weren't pressurized to the right level, then the pilots could pass out. And at that point, who knows? If the autopilot was turned off, you know, if they can track that all these turns are manual, and if the autopilot's turned off, pilots get hypoxia, pass out, and that plane's going all over the place. Um, there's also a theory based on that is that he took them that high on purpose so that all the passengers would pass out. Mm, and then it just glides down with everyone asleep. Yeah. I mean, huh. no struggle. Yeah. Or maybe like, a, I don't want these people to freak out in their last moments kind of thing. Mm. If it actually even went that high. We don't even know. Okay. What's the next theory? Uh, give me two seconds. Yeah, we'll look at that later. Uh, and going off that again, this guy had a spotless flight record and no history of mental illness. This is the main captain? Yes. Not the train. But it it is important to note that he was and still is... The prime suspect. Right. The captain. Okay, so here's captain. something. We're still on him. Sorry, I keep finding more on so this the, guy. So the captain wasn't one the one having a divorce. It was the trainee. No, the captain was. The main captain, Zahari, ah. was the guy going through the separation. The guy that had the information deleted from the flight simulator. Um, Do we know how long before this flight that that I want to say it was happened? fairly recently before. I can't give you an exact range. But it was recently enough to where they're like, oh, this is this is surprising. 
Okay, here's a quote from the air traffic control of uh, Malaysia, the last person he talked to. He said, quote, he did not read back the assigned frequency, which was inconsistency, inconsistent with radio telephony procedures. So, meaning, I didn't write it down exactly, but what they do is, like I said earlier, on the handoff, they say, uh, Malaysian 370, uh, signing off, and then they'll say the, the frequency that they're talking on. Uh, well... Like the the air traffic control will say, send like you know, sending off you frequency, mm-hmm. and then they'll respond with signing off frequency. Okay, that's just what you do, and he always did that. He did not do that this time. Hmm. He did signing off, then signed off. He didn't say the frequency, which doesn't point to anything in particular, but they said it was weird because he always did it, and it's procedure. Right. So. I don't know, maybe he had something on his mind and wasn't thinking right, or I don't know, but that was something. Well, so, okay. Going back to what I said before about him being the prime suspect, Mm -hmm. in cases where planes disappear, the pilot is usually considered the prime suspect because they have control of the planes. They're the ones first that they do psychoanalysis and background checks on the pilots first. And try and vet them out as innocent or guilty first. Okay. But he was the prime suspect. Um, right around that turn right there. The turn after crossing over Malaysia the second time the, and then going they, northwest. Right as they turned around the island of Penang. Okay. His hometown. Which island. was his hometown. The co-pilot's iPhone pinged a tower on there. So are they low at that point? Probably. Well, I don't know what the range on those things are, but it was close enough to ping the tower. Um, And that part was actually omitted from public reports. They did not tell anyone that. Take that as you will. I don't know why they wouldn't tell anyone that, but that was purposefully left out of public reports. Um... And again, that's his hometown, and it, you can see it turns around it. Right. And that's people thinking, all right, that's him saying goodbye to his his hometown before he dies. I mean, yeah, it might be like a suicidal thing that you see some of those, I mean, you reminisce about either good times or yeah if it's his hometown that's where he's got his family that he's going through that divorce with he flies over and just thinks yeah that's my hometown so i was looking at the question of how low you have to be flying to be under radar Mm -hmm. and I think you need to be at somewhere like, um, like a thousand feet. That's pretty low. Because, so the SA-6 air defense system can engage targets using radar down to 100 meters, which would only be 300 feet. 
it doesn't seem very likely that you would be able to fly a huge jet under the radar. Um, anchor. So that's, uh, that's, what do you call it? How the cookie crumbles? No, that's theory number one. Uh, theory number two. What's the next theory? Mr. Munchie. <laughs> Terrorist involvement. Of course. So, am I thinking of, I didn't write this down, but am I thinking clearly and thinking there were two people on board that, like, had fake passports? Yep. So two, two men that had, one had an Austrian passport and one had an Italian passport, boarded the plane. Done. Can't trust the Italians. And bought their tickets with cash. Okay. And after investigation, both men were deemed to be Iranians Ooh. Um, that had stolen passports. Is there any connection with the two men together? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like... Yeah, they boarded the plane together. They were both that, together. Yeah, I get that. I mean, is there any connection that the two men had previous to the flight? That I don't know. So the current connection that they've made and that they've deemed from their families are that the two men were fleeing Iran. So they were asylum seekers trying to get out of the country and get to safety. Um, and I want... Don't quote me on this, but I want to say that they had a deal with the Malaysian government, that they would be transported to China and get safe passage to China. Okay. And I think they did end up saying that the terrorists, they weren't terrorists, probably, just because they... (laughs) They weren't terrorists, probably. Just because they were pretty sure they were just trying to seek refuge. Right. But you really can't verify any of that. But they, they didn't have any previous terrorist activity, if that's what you were asking like no uh, other... not necessarily previous terrorist activity but i mean just if they had any connection of oh by the way they worked together in the same uh building or they if there was it wasn't released to the public uh, j- the the strangest thing about that was that their passports were not legit passports right right that's um and that suspicious. they paid cash for the flights so it wasn't traceable back to them that they paid with a card or something like that they just paid straight cash did, so if this is something that they did have a deal to get to China, is that information that the Malaysian government can confirm? So where does that information come from? I cannot speak to that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? <clears throat> Theory number three. Okay. This uh, there was cargo on the plane as well. This wasn't just passengers. There was also like cargo um, being transported, and mo- a lot of that cargo was lithium-ion batteries, and um, a lot more than they were supposed to have. Apparently, commercial load of lithium-ion batteries, according to the cargo manifest. It was carrying a lot more of these lithium batteries than the cargo manifest declares. The weight of the batteries doesn't add up with the weight of the cargo container. So it's a lot heavier than, like, if it said 100 batteries, but it weighed 200 batteries worth. I don't know the exact numbers of either of those, but it had a lot of batteries on it. Okay. And it has happened before. I don't remember what flight it was, but there was a flight in the past that did catch on fire because of lithium-ion batteries. Mm. 
Okay. And the fact that they have so many of them yes. could be a cause. Um, and there were burn marks on that piece Quote. of the plane. Okay. Hmm. So that's another one. Um, and, you know, that's why they took the U-turn, but who knows what happened after that. Why... The, that... It seems the most logical to me is the fire. But why on earth would they turn around, then take a right, yeah, then take a left? It's the so the first turn of coming back makes sense that they're trying to emergency landing, right? But who knows? Uh, there's another theory of this co-pilot's new and. No one really knows much about him. Pilot gets up, takes a leak. Co-pilot locks the door. Then does his thing. Does his thing Ted Bundy style. I guess, but... Um, <laughs> with you and Ted Bundy. Yeah, seriously, you were going off on it Bundy. Just, it just started He's... with uh, talking about the pilot being charismatic and loving everyone. Like, everyone loves Ted Bundy. I don't. You need to watch some of the freaking scary You'll documentaries. You'll love them after that. <laughs> um, but all of these women that know he is a murderer okay, those women are, are still attracted to him. Yeah, because they're crazy. For those ones, 100%. Yes. But then also you have the church congregation that was coming to his defense saying, Oh no, Ted would never do this. Right. This isn't Ted Bundy, though. No. We don't know what's going on. Just but saying there's psychotic people out there. That's another option. Is That's happened. That's also happened before. I don't remember what flight that was either, but pilot got up, co-pilot locked the door, and then just ran him into a mountain. It's ha it happened in the past. So there, there's not really much to go off of on that, though. So along with all of these theories are... There are many different theories woven into the terrorist side, saying it was either a jihadist thing or somebody took control of the plane, and one of the theories is that they landed it and hit it in Pakistan, and that all of this satellite data and everything was spoofed or was faked. Somehow they were able to fake all of this data, saying the plane took this course to throw them off of where they really took it, which was to Pakistan, and... And hit it away there. So for me, I would want to I would want to know which governments each one of these bits of information, as far as tracking the plane goes, where that information is coming from, country wise. Because uh, if it's coming from a whole bunch of different countries, each adding a tidbit to the picture. Mm -hmm. then it doesn't make as much sense to me, obviously, that they're all in it together and they are faking the information and it's hidden in Pakistan or something. Not to say that it couldn't have been hijacked and taken somewhere. It just seems odd that then these um, pings of information of trying to connect with the plane and all of this... If they're coming from different sources, to me that gives more validity that that's got to be real where they're um, pinging the plane at, at the time. 
So then, so then, what about the the debris? So what's the conspiracy theory with the debris? Because so it seems debris, like it's a little too convenient. Debris, if you want to go in that sense, that's another theory. Is that it was actually shot down by the United States Navy? It it was like a. Oh, what the heck are you doing in our airspace? You're not responding. Shoot. Hmm. And then okay. to, to cover it up, they cleaned it all up. And then after that, so long, everyone kept asking questions. Hair in my mouth. It's those belly so. shots with Austin. <laughs> um, and to cover it up, they clean everything else up. But after so long, like everyone's still asking questions. They're not leaving, letting this go. Eh. They stage. Sure this stuff and never hopefully everyone goes oh that's what happened it crashed and washed up case closed so why the united states though i don't remember see because that's that's oh because it flew over uh the projected path was over like some random island that has a navy base a, yeah, on it it's a military base area. and that's how they tracked it on the radar was there was a military base. no so the, it was malaysian military oh was it okay yeah okay because yeah if this is I could very easily see a government um, accidentally shooting it down and then that not looking good for the government, which at that time was Obama. This would have been in his second term. Um, when was Benghazi? 20... That was just before the election, so that would have been 2011. 2011, yeah. Huh. So one of the theories is that this was published on The Independent. Okay. So take it with a large grain of salt, and they also kind of made a joke when they published this, but there was were apparently email reports of this plane carrying a nuclear warhead to North Korea, and the plane hat did have enough fuel for it to go to North Korea, and it flying on this path to China theoretically could have been in line with where they would have gone to go to North Korea. Hmm. Um, so why the turn then? If Because North Korea then, rather than turning left going west, now you're going away from North, North Korea. So a lot of these theories are where this spoofing of data comes in, leading a false trail of breadcrumbs of where the plane actually went. And then that's where the theory of the extra cargo you know, this weight not matching up with the weight of reported cargo would has led people to believe that this could be possible. So what else so, was on there? Was it a bomb? Exactly, was it Exactly. Okay. This is, uh, on terms of that, this is what someone said. It says, an email we received suggests that someone on board hijacked the plane and kept its location concealed by faking a flight plan from an uncontrolled airport. Then the pilots could pretend to be a small business jet and proceed to some hidden airfield somewhere where no one would be the wiser. Right. So, but then how does that? How could that be with Malaysia military saying this is where? Maybe they're tracking something. They is Malaysia in the U.S. Are they allies? Who isn't besides North Korea and China? I I don't know. But that's I mean this whole nuclear warhead thing ties into a few different theories. One, that they actually delivered it to North Korea. Two, that the plane was hijacked by somebody. Or three, that the Malaysian government was involved 
in hijacking the plane and that's they kind of have control over the information of you know where this went and things like that so. there's another one that says Russian special ops took it an article in New York Times Magazine hypothesizes that nefarious actors could have broken into an electronics and equipment bay on the, 7, on the 777, accessed through the first-class cabin. A well-trained hijacker could then have started pulling the plane's electronic parts apart, electronics apart, and faked some of the satellite data that researchers have used to pinpoint the flight path. Jeff Wise, I don't know who that is, claims the plane must then have gone north into Asia rather over, rather than south of the Indian Ocean into Kazakhstan where there are runways, buildings large enough to hide a Boeing 777. It's a well-researched piece that doesn't prove anything. So that's another thing saying that it was faked. Which, you know, I don't know how you would fake a flight path like that when the military's tracking it. There are smarter men than me out there. But if you could... That kind of lines up with this really weird flight path. Like, straight, slight right, U-turn, hard right, hard left. Like, what the heck's going on there? Like, I could see that being faked, if it was possible. I don't know if that's even possible. If I were faking it, I wouldn't be doing so many turns. I would just well, it worked, didn't turn it? It directly into uncharted area. Like, instead of going... Instead of going left, going west, and then going northwest towards India, and then them dropping out the south. comms right there, why not just continue going uh, southwest into the Indian Ocean? Because they wasted so much time with each turn. They At the first turn, they searched there. Then it, they searched at the U-turn... Then it went up to the Bay of Bengal. Then they searched there. Then they realized it. Oh, maybe it's down here in the bottom by Australia. Mm. And then they searched there. They're wasting so much time everywhere else. Okay. Okay. Assuming that you could do that. I'm sure you can. But I mean, well, this again. Well, this is information coming from different sources, different countries, right, and that's where that's it doesn't the, make sense. That's the thing with this is that. A lot of these are conspiracy theories. So they're you have, all conspiracy. They're theories. all conspiracy theories. See, I like I like the I like the bad government actor one the most. That makes sense to me that you accidentally or worse, you purposely shoot it down and yeah, here's that then one. you cover it up. Um, so there's a U.S. military base located in the middle of the Indian Ocean. One theory suggests that the plane was headed there on some sort of kamikaze mission was shot down by the U.S. military before it could even reach its target. The Americans would then have faked the satellite data, scooped up every last bit of debris of, of, to keep the fate of the plane and its passengers secret. This one is particularly unlikely since the cleanup of an airplane would have taken way too many people to get things quiet. Now, and also in going with that... Not to say, in my opinion, that the government couldn't do it, but it is odd if that would happen with the plane getting shot down and getting close to that island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, then that doesn't make sense why from the beginning all of the like cutout of communications and then the left turn and then the right turn and like why it doesn't to me it doesn't explain the beginning of all of that 
Right. So there's a theory that I like, and I there's still a lot of details to this theory that I that I don't know. But about a month before the Malaysian flight happened, there was this same exact plane took a different flight to China. And I don't know if this is either when it was landing or when it was getting ready to take off, but it was taxiing either onto the runway or, or from the runway into the terminal. And during this time, hit another plane on the wing. So the right wing of the plane hit another plane, gouged this plane, and there was like a big chunk of the right wing that was taken off or severely damaged. So they had to put this plane into repair for a couple of weeks and then repaired the plane and then it was good to fly again. So a month later is when it, roughly a month later is when it took the last flight. So if reports are correct that these three confirmed pieces are from this wing, this right wing, then it's theorized that that this was some type of cover-up by either the Malaysian government or some other government, and that they used this old wing that had the same serial number on it mm. and would have been identified as directly linked to this plane could have been found. And then they say, oh my gosh, we found this wing to this plane and it crashed in the ocean, and that's the story. But... Really, it could have either been shot down, it could have been hijacked, whatever, and they use this old wing that's been taken off and damaged to throw in the ocean as debris and say mm-hmm. that that's the confirmation that the plane crashed. And that's that's interesting. I, th- I think that there could be a lot of that. It's just weird why they would wait a year and a half before so-called finding that debris. It seems like maybe you would find that debris a lot earlier just to close the case. Right, right. Um, So during this investigation now, so remember the Malaysian government, when this debris is found, they say, hey, put the brakes on this. Uh We need to come check this out. Yeah, that's weird too. So they send people to go check this out, and there's actually one of the Malaysian officials that gets assassinated while he's in Madagascar investing. Okay. So he's assassinated. <laughs> I, I believe they launched heavy artillery at his car that he was in, blew up his car and killed him. What? Let me let me pull up the facts on that real quick. Oh, yeah, who? Sorry, I've been spaced out. I'm, the last I'm time, pulling it up. Was it... Um, he was saying Zahid that... Zahid Rajat Raza? Yep. On August 2017, an honorary Malaysian consul in Madagascar was shot dead in an apparent assassination. Yep, Hussein Ali Zahid Raza. So, appeared to be specifically targeted. So it says this. It says a representative of the independent group, which has been following the disappearance of Flight 370, said the timing of uh, Hussein Ali's death was suspicious as he had been scheduled to visit the Malagasy Transport Ministry to retrieve the debris that they found and return it to Malaysia. The representative noted that Hussein Ali was of French uh, Malagasy nationality, but he was a Malaysian official or diplomat or whatever, and added that the diplomat's death had been met with stony silence from both French and Malaysian authorities. The diplomat's car was riddled with bullets, and a French news agency has speculated that he had been killed as revenge for his alleged involvement in the 2009 abduction of several residents of Indo-Pakistani descent. Other sources have denied this and the note that he was not convicted of any crime related to that incident. So, But, yeah, maybe he wasn't convicted, but maybe they still thought that he was involved, and so they're getting revenge, killing mm-hmm. him. 
But, yeah, that is, like, that is another level. Right. So, uh, per chance saying that the Malaysian government isn't the bad actor or a bad actor in this, they're genuinely trying to see what's going on, and other governments, mm-hmm. whoever they are, are the ones doing the bad acting. Man. So, so, are there any other theories you wanted to cover, Jack? I got one or two I could bring in if you wanted, but... So what is your belief, Jack? Oh, aliens. <laughs> That's that one, of one of the theories, yeah. They say they're aliens or they got sucked into a wormhole or something like that. Okay, a Bermuda Triangle, but the Indian Triangle? There's, there's a one called the Asian Bermuda Triangle Theory. Okay. Um, let's see, then there's one that's... Uh, there's somebody... For, Malaysia's former Prime Minister... Mahathir Mohammed wrote that he believes the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, must know something about the plane's fate. He claimed that the Boeing, the make that Boeing, the plane's maker, and certain un, unnamed government agencies are able to take control of commercial airliners such as the Boeing 77 remotely if necessary. That was put in effect. <laughs> that, no, that is that's a real thing. No, that I'm not saying thing. it's not a real thing. I'm saying like this is ridiculous that we freaking get on a plane and the government can just take over at any time. Well, that was invented <laughs> after nine because of nine eleven. Yeah. It's required. So that if someone hijacks it or someone <laughs> dies or something, it can be controlled remotely. Right. Like if the captain oh, passes out God. or something. Um. So it could be what's called cyberjacking. And they just take over. <laughs> and it's then he said, airplanes this big just don't disappear. Certainly not these days with all the powerful communication systems. Radio, satellite tracking, filmless cameras, which operate almost indefinitely and possess huge storage capabilities. For some reason, the media will not print anything that involves Boeing or the CIA. I don't know. What's interesting is, in my mind, it mostly points to just the... The pilot just committing suicide. But if you Google it, if you Google Boeing, or not Boeing, uh, Malaysian Flight 370 theories, that almost never pops up as one of the, like, I mean, it does, but it's never, like, one of the top theories. Almost never. Hmm. So I don't know what their reasoning is. Maybe I missed a certain piece of thing, but no one thinks it was him. Yeah. So... Where which one of these theories do you lean towards, or do you Me? have one of your own? Yes. Oh, jeez. I my mind, I'm kind of leaning towards the U.S. shot it down, hmm, and then staged the the debris. Okay, that makes the most sense to me. But awesome. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it, but that's what makes the most sense. I don't know that I necessarily believe more that the U.S. shot it down. I don't know what I believe as far as the first half of the theory. But I do believe that the debris was staged. It's too... By whom, hmm. I don't know. But yeah, that's just exactly. way too... Whether uh, it's the Malaysian government, whether it's independent hijackers and the Malaysian government wanted to cover this up, or whether there's the U.S. is involved, whether North Korea is involved, whoever's involved, I think that there's some kind of cover-up between them and the Malaysian government, or just by the Malaysian government, and that this debris was placed intentionally. So... When they found this debris, they had biologists analyze it, and 
the pieces of the wing that they found. It was in the water for what year? Sixteen months. So it would have had. They, yeah, they reported uh, that the barnacle development on the wing <laughs> was not consistent with. Like what it would have like been. It was only like three months. It was in the water or yeah. something like that. Not yeah. sixteen. Yeah, and like it wasn't consistent with how it would have been submerged and it also wasn't the type of barnacle wasn't consistent with the water i guess the temperature of water affects also barnacle it's kind growth. of weird that that's i don't know if you guys saw but from where they think it crashed to that island that's a long ways there yeah. i find it incredibly unlikely that 31 different pieces all made it to that island Hmm, right. that's a really good point. Maybe yeah. one, if one showed up, and would be like, okay, yeah, maybe. But seriously, 31 pieces all going to the same place? Especially right. where the current requires you to go counterclockwise going past all of those other... That is if it even crashed there. And taking into account that the only fully 100% confirmed pieces are from the wing that was also replaced... Like there were only a th- month before. There that. were only three that were one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. The the wing was replaced. I forgot about that. You talked about this, didn't you? I wasn't paying yeah. attention. But yeah, yeah, it was replaced recently. But not replaced. But mm-hmm. pieces mm-hmm. were fixed, and so they had pieces of yeah already so old pieces. There's a they call it a boneyard in Alice Springs, Australia, where where it's kind of like a place. Where either they fix planes or planes go to die, basically. And they have kind of like a scrapyard. And so they theorize that that's where this wing was taken and then it was placed at this island. But it it is fishy that those are the only three pieces that match up exactly serial number, 100% confirmed to match up with the plane. Eleven were not even identifiable. And then there were what was the math, 20. So yeah, it, it is odd that well i wouldn't say odd uh if all of these pieces go together on the same plane all of these debris pieces it is odd that you get so many of them and they're all found at the same time so yeah if it were just the those three serial number stamped pieces then yeah, it's just so weird that they're all found at the same time. And there's so many of them so far away from anywhere miles. where the plane could have been. Right. So that's my theory. Cover up. It's just too convenient. Who Everything covered it is, up though? That's the question. That is the question. I don't I don't think it's terrorists because terrorists terrorists love taking responsibility. Yeah, nobody Ooh, has, yep, no yep, one's come out and said for it. This is this is our doing, and us. I don't I don't think that they've got the means to go through so many layers of all of that hacking, turning things off. That doesn't make sense. I don't know, Ryan. What's your theory? So my theory is that the debris is definitely part of a cover up. What I have a hard time with is that is trying to pinpoint what happened during that beginning stage when they lose contact and when they have tracked them 
Um, so they lose contact in the South China Sea. And then they track them going back over Malaysia and then um, up towards India. So that part doesn't make sense to me of what would have to happen at the very beginning. I mean, all signs point to hijacking of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, that the pilots are no longer in control. With, yeah, with it being a suicide, that doesn't, you would think that they, that he would just crash it. Um, not that he would be flying around prolonging the, especially, well, because men in general, whenever they commit suicide, they do it quickly and they do it effectively. The guy in charge of the search in Australia, I believe it was, I don't remember who, but he claims that this whole thing was the pilot creating, quote, the greatest aviation mystery or something like that. So he thinks that the pilot was committing suicide. He's like, well, if I'm going out, I'm going to make it an interesting story. So that I guess that's something. Yeah. So, okay, so it is interesting that the pilot information itself, or the, the pilot had some training... Uh, that was found of him flying into the Indian Ocean. So perhaps what if uh, the pilot himself is somehow involved with the CIA? Maybe. And it's the U.S. that then hijacks the plane or could be part of another... So it was France that found the debris on that island? Well, it was, yeah. It was on a French island, yes. So, yeah. Here's an interesting thing that I did not come across until just now. Four days earlier, a plane was shot down by North Korea. A passenger plane. That passed over its airspace or something like that. Mm. Um, it was shot down by a missile or something like that. It was a Chinese airline, I believe. How do you think that the, that, that ties in? They're trigger happy? <laughs> I don't know. But they're nowhere near North Korea, though. They had yeah. enough food, fuel to get there. I want to say that earlier in this same year that Malaysian 370 disappeared, Malaysian Airlines had a flight that was shot down as well. Was it the one I'm talking about? They, it might be the one you're talking about, but there was another flight with them that year that was... So it says, Malaysian Airlines Flight 17, this is in uh, July 2014, was a scheduled passenger flight from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, so to the same airport this one left from, mm -hmm. that was shot down on the 17th of July while flying over eastern Ukraine. All 283 mm. passengers and 15 crew were killed. So either this was a really crappy crap draw of the card year for Malaysian Airlines mm. or something else is going on with them. Or a, or a practice run of what they were trying to do or a first failed attempt of maybe what That's they're right. trying to do. But it's fairly, fairly close. I mean, not that long before 370 goes missing. 
Oh, I lied. Sorry. North Korea didn't shut it down. They tried to and failed. So the, the one before. As far as I don't believe that that there's any flight going north into China, past China, or around North Korea, because both China and North Korea are super happy to show the world any time that there's bad actors working against them. That they will try and say, look, you guys are terrible people, and you're out to get China, or you're out to get North Korea. They constantly are putting out propaganda saying that. So it doesn't make sense that if a plane had gone up through or past China or North Korea, that they wouldn't call out that it was... Uh, the Americans, and it's the CIA that are out to get us because they do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So could it be China? Maybe. Here's the thing. But then it doesn't, it doesn't, the debris doesn't make sense. And the Malaysia guy that gets killed and honestly, okay, here's, here's where I'm leaning towards now. This is where I'm putting my foot down. Lots of weird stuff was happening under Obama. Uh, he did gun running to a couple different countries during his second presidency. Um, delivered money to Iran. I mean, this could be another weird thing that happened that perhaps was a U.S. government cover-up. I'm just in the boat of cover-up. I don't know who because we could sit here for days and talk about every single possible government that's involved or situation there's, there's definitely too many rabbit up. holes to go into there's one more so, bit of information another rabbit hole uh, 19 families of people on board claimed that the devices of their loved ones rang for up to four days after the jet went missing hmm. you call a phone that's dead or doesn't have a cell signal or you go straight you go straight to voicemail yeah yeah it doesn't ring. They they claim for four days after, they could hear a ringtone. Hmm. I know there were a lot of protesting by the families, and some were even threatening death threats against uh, the Malaysian investigators that were investigating this because they considered it a botched investigation. But I, I don't think we can do any more. I mean, we know nothing. Us three in this room, we we know nothing. You guys let us know what you think. What well, I we've gone really long on this one. But really long, yeah. Let us know what you guys think and if there are any major theories that we missed that you think are legitimately plausible. You know, let us know. I scrolled past like thirty different yeah. there <laughs> there are hundreds, literally hundreds of theories out there of like this specific terrorist organization was involved or this government hijacked it and did this and this and this and it landed at this airfield like there's so many theories out there to go into um, a lot of them don't in my opinion don't carry that much weight hmm. so you gotta sift through all of them to find the ones that are fairly plausible in my opinion but who's to say this whole thing is just crazy though like I don't know we didn't do the best job explaining it I thought I knew the timeline fairly well but it's I thought you did a pretty good job of Thank you. going over the events. I, I tried, but there are better people out there. If you want to go listen to... There's some YouTube videos that I saw that, like, do what we did, but, like, show a map along with it, because, you know, they are a video platform, and this is not... 
Except for our premium subscribers. <sighs> they clearly get video of this conversation. Do they not? Yeah. <laughs> the NSA video that's spying on us right now. Although it's a computer. Although it's a high threshold though. It'll be just the side of my face, but <laughs> Well I think we've we've I, rambled on long enough. We've on exhausted this. everything we can. Yeah. But that yeah, was crazy. Um we're we're shooting for Georgia on the next one. Um, send us your state stuff, even if it's not close. If you live in a state, then send us your. Even if you don't live in a state, if you live in a, <laughs> a territory, a province. Pro, I yeah, we love to go uh, international or Washington D.C. Not a state, but uh, Puerto Rico, London, yes. Guam, London, perhaps Guamanese, Guamanese, Guamish, <laughs> the Guamish people. <laughs> Guamish country, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, yeah. Send us what you got if you're in Georgia or any of the whatever. I mean, what we we can Google it, but we'd love to hear what you guys want to hear. Yep, hit us up on the social media. The social media. Yep, we'll have that in the show notes for you to uh, go in at us or DM us directly. Man, I feel like we were really serious in this one. Yeah, kind of weird that we weren't cracking jokes every five minutes. Yeah, I know. There's just so much to think about, though. I, I, this was, it was good. It was very intellectual. This was I enjoyed it more thoroughly. Episodes, I feel like though, yeah. <laughs> it was nice to have someone to explain it to here, mm-hmm, Ryan, because mm-hmm. yeah. he kept asking questions that, like, yeah, I guess that wouldn't have made sense if I just said that, you know, without someone. But I mean, asking. but these are all like, I mean, obviously, everyone just puts out their own theories or their own their own little facts of of how they put things together, but. Yeah, there's no way to make sense of this without um, wading through all that information. But we all agree on one thing. There is definitely a cover-up afoot. Oh, there is definitely. Who knows? Let us know what you think. Um, Follow us on the social media. Send us what you got. And scary stories. Yeah, yeah, just your encounters because we've got to get some more of those in. Happy Uh, election. Happy election. Good luck to everyone. Either way. Thanks, guys. We love you. I don't. I tolerate you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. But Austin loves you. That's really all that matters. But, uh, yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye, everyone. Hey, guys. This is your host, Austin. I did just want to let you know this episode we did have a little bit of audio trouble so there are some parts that might sound a little bit robotic or where our mics have a slight echo to them i hope that you'll bear with it it is one of my favorite episodes it's a super interesting one so uh, please give it a listen let us know what you think and as always thanks for the support